Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of I Communicate, the Mindset Go Radio Show, and uh, thrilled to be with you here on a Thursday. And Ted, I got to ask you right out of the gate. And poor Ted's not even ready yet, but I got to ask you. I'm right here. I, you know, I, I played this game uh, Sunday nights. We've been doing these Zoom webinar meetings with my family, so we can stay connected during yeah, COVID yeah, and such. Great idea. And so there's this thing that apparently was new to me that I should have known called Kahoot which is this thing online where you can play these trivia games and you can make up your own trivia, blah, blah, blah. Right. So we were all tasked with coming up with trivia questions about each other to, to get to know each other better, that even though we're family, what are some things we may not know about each other? Ruh-roh. And so mine was, everybody knows I'm a big sports fan, but what they don't know is I'm much more passionate even about music than I am sports. So the trivia question was, you know, what is Uncle Mark's biggest passion and sports, music, whatever. And so everybody got it wrong. They said sports. And so the moral of the story is I love music so much. And I was listening to a song coming into the show today. And it's an old song by REO Speedwagon called Roll With The Changes. Does this ring a bell? Yeah. And I got to tell you, what a great theme song for us all to live by right, right now, now is yeah. Roll With The Changes, right? That's a good one. All right. So today... I am feeling really lucky because we have a special guest in studio. His name is Joseph Lyman. And before I let Joseph talk, I need to tell our, our, our listeners a little story about how I met Joseph and how he influenced me with his tremendous emotional intelligence and communication skills. I, I will let you know if this is true after he says this. Tell the story. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So... I did a presentation back last November for a group of the Central Mass HR Association, which Joe attended on emotional intelligence. And Joe came up to me after the presentation. I hadn't met him. And he was very complimentary and kind about how he liked the presentation and so on and so forth. And he, you know, just really was like, you know, I'd like to work with you. I'd like to get to know you better and so on and so forth. So... You that that sounds like I wanted to date him, but that's not completely accurate. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Trust me, if, if you saw Joe, he could do much better than me anyway. So Yeah, but you walked right into that <laughs> I one, so okay? Did. I so did. So, um, okay, so fast forwarding to the story. So we ended up getting to know each other, talking better, talking and getting to know each other better. And uh, and I had been, you know, casually looking for another trainer for Mindset Go, and Joe said I'd be interested. And I said, Joe, there's just no way I'm going to trust anybody unless I get to see you first. And which is really hard because a lot of times your clients are private. It's not an easy thing to do to bring a guest to one of your trainers. But Joe found a way to do it. He got it done. And one of the reasons why Joe and I, one of the many reasons I think we connect is because our standards are very high about supporting people, adding value to people, you know, and so on and so forth. And I got to tell you, I've seen a lot of trainers, trainers for big companies like the Sandlers and the Carnegie's and all the major players. And I come out of those sessions so often going, oh, my God, how am I losing to these people? Because they're just not very good. And it takes a lot to me to be sold. I get bored pretty quickly. I don't have a great attention span. And Joe Lyman, Joseph Lyman, 
did a presentation with some customer service people around communication and such. and was just outstanding. And I said, all right, Joe, you got me, man. You got me. And so here we are. He's been doing some training for Mindset Go. And Joe, I'm thrilled you're part of Mindset Go. And welcome to the show. Well, thank you. And first of all, let me say, as a member of our Mutual Admiration Society, I, first of all, I appreciate your, your, your compliments. But second of all, I want to return them. Because the only reason, honestly, that I reached out to you in the manner that I did was because I was seriously impressed by the way that you, you put together the emotional intelligence. And it's funny because one of the reasons that I chose in particular to go see that presentation without knowing anything about you was because I also teach emotional intelligence. And it's, it's not something we do on purpose, right? But when you know, what, when you know how something's done, so for instance, I do a lot of, I've been doing community theater for 40 years. So when I go see a theatrical performance, I don't plan on it. But when somebody makes a mistake or when something's off or when there's a, a glitch, it just, you notice it. It registers with you because you wouldn't want to do it yourself. And what I noticed about your, your, your presentation was that nothing tripped my trigger. And that was enough to, for me to say, hey, I think it would be useful to, to find out who this guy is, to work with him. And I, I know our listeners can't see us, but I was blushing the whole time that you were saying that, just I, well, I want to be clear. And I have to say, <laughs> I have to say, and I don't want to go too far down this road because we've got to get to our topic of the day here. But I, I do want to say, Ted, you and I have talked about this in the past. Theater, to me, is just such a tremendous medium. And, and what's, there's three things about theater I love, certainly for our profession, but I just love theater in general. One of them, great teaching about ad-lib and improv skills, right? How important are ad-lib improv skills in communication? Huge, right? The second thing is theater, it is so close to my heart because I feel it's the one place where you're not judged, for some reason in theater, the, the culture of people who do theater, that participate in theater, it feels like a safe place to be yourself and to kind of express yourself in a certain way. Now, maybe I'm making a generalization about everything, but my experiences with theater is it just seems like a, feels like a safe, happy, positive place. Is that your experience, Joe? It, it, it absolutely is. And I think one of the things is that people who are attracted to theater are people who are looking for a place to right, be themselves exactly. with, without judgment on their situation. And, and, and I mean, it, this is actually going to tie into the topic that we're, that we're talking about today because a lot of us uh, want to jump on the first thing that comes along. Or we see what's go, what direction a thing is going, and we jump on that because we don't want to be left behind. We want to be part of what succeeds. We want to be – without even knowing fully if what we're jumping on is the correct thing. Yeah, and, and, and a final point before we get to our topic, just to build on what Joe said. And the third aspect of theater is engagement. And, you know, to be good in theater, you have to be enthusiastic. You have to be able to – uh, demonstrate emotion. And I just, Joe and Ted, it bog, Hey, Joe and Ted's great adventure. No. Um, so it boggles my mind how, when you think about effective communication and we're seeing it now more than ever with the virtual communication, you have to be willing to, uh, you have to be able to engage people. You have to get them fired up, motivated. And it's such a hard thing for people to do. And now on the virtual side, it's even worse because it's hard enough to stare at a screen, let alone if someone's not engaging. So uh, 
Theater's wonderful. Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, there's a, I was reading an article yesterday about virtual instructor-led training and how people are, are noticing that after doing this, you know, all day long, I've been on the screen all day long, I've been on Zoom meetings, I've been on this, I've been on that. It, it's a little overwhelming to people because you're constantly on. And I think as a performer, as a trainer, people have to become comfortable with that, right? People have to become comfortable with looking at yourself, so to speak, both literally and figuratively, and being able to recognize how other people are doing, which is a huge part of mm. the world of training, right? If you, can, you can turn people into a room of glassy-eyed zombies in less than 15 minutes if you're just sitting there reading word from word for a PowerPoint. I mean, there, there's a reason it's called death by PowerPoint. Love it, love yeah. it. Okay, so... Rather than tell you about the topic today, I'm going to tell you a quick story that will demonstrate the topic today. So what's always fascinated me about this topic is, you know, when you're a parent, when you're a leader, when you're a trainer or coach like Joe and I are, we're in positions to give advice all the time, give recommendations, suggestions, advice. And as, as you're listening to this, think about something for a moment. Think of the last time you've given advice to someone in your life and think of how they responded to that advice. And think of all the different ways they could respond to that advice. They could say, wow, that's a great suggestion. I'm going to definitely do that. They could say, that's a great suggestion. Definitely do that, but not actually do that. They could say, it's a great suggestion, but I don't think I'm ready to hear it. And... The most common response, I think, when people give advice or recommendations, especially when those people are in a position of authority, is the person who is receiving the advice is not going to give you the satisfaction to know that your advice or guidance or recommendations made an impact because that would imply that they were doing something wrong or they weren't confident. So by admitting that your approach is the right way to go, And so what made me fascinated by that is I remember in the last few months, there have been a couple of times where I've talked to my kids and I've given them advice and they didn't listen. And they've come back to me a month later and said, dad, you remember what you told me a month ago? Boy, I think that was a really good idea. I ended up taking your advice and I was floored. And so when you think about being a leader at a company, it is so easy when you give recommendations to people and they don't follow them to say, why bother? If they're not going to listen anyway, if they're not going to act on what I tell them to do anyway, why even, why even make the effort? And so when you think about instant and delayed gratification, think about when you're in a position to give feedback to someone and your choice to give it or not feed, get, to give it or not give it based on how quickly you get affirmed that they're going to actually take your advice. And to me, that's one of the greatest examples of how people need that instant gratification to decide. And Joe, I I would love two things. One is your thoughts on that. Actually, we're going to go to break. And so when we come back from our first break, Joe, I want to ask you what your thoughts on that and what an experience you've had in struggling with instant gratification. This is the Mindset Go Radio Show. I'm with Joseph Lyman. I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back. Now, 
I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate. Glad to have you back on the show today. Uh, if you're interested in calling in, the number is 508-871-7000. And Joe, I turn it over to you. You know, we, we talked right before the break. Um, you know, your thoughts on, you know, being in that trusted expert position of giving advice and, and not getting that gratification and your thoughts on how you found yourself, you have found yourself susceptible to instant gratification. Well, you were mentioning talking about children in particular, giving, you know, advice to children and then, and, and then waiting to see if they take your advice. And so I have, I have three boys and two girls. And what I've discovered is that Contrary to some of the theories about IQ being a static thing, mine has risen over time uh, based on my assessment, the assessment of my children. Hmm. I, I have actually gotten smarter according to my children. Wow. Yeah, because they've now discovered that some of the things that I told them months and years ago had some validity. <laughs> so their estimate of my ability to offer useful advice has 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 risen significantly in some cases. Admittedly, not in all, but but in some cases, my youngest daughter. We we could have a conversation about that. But but it's it's been delightful to see my uh, my middle boy Alex started uh, teaching um, uh, Cub Scouts, and he's the wow. one of the Cub leaders for his his son and for his uh, nephew, my wow. other grandson. And he called me up one day and he said, he said, hey, you know, I, I know you, you, you teach these classes and you told me some of these things, you know, about training and stuff. And I used some of that the other day and that really worked. Wow. That's and I was awesome. just like, wow, that, where did that come from? Like, I was ready to give him money for that. You that's know, it was awesome. just, it was pretty, pretty incredible. And, but I mean, you see it in, in day-to-day experience as well. The idea of, of, of right now versus in a little bit. Um, there was a there was a group of about twenty of us one time, and we were we were we were actually traveling. We were in Athens, in Greece, and we were hungry as anything. We'd just gotten there; it had been a long day. Everybody was tired. Everybody was hungry, and we we saw this line of of food offerings on the side, and the first one smelled amazing. And as we walked in, we we were kind of t- I was kind of taken aback by the, the the folks who ran the place. They were like. Why are you here? How many of there are you? What, what are you doing here? And, and, and I was just like, uh, well, there's a bunch of us we want to eat. And, you know, well, it's getting ready for, you know, and some people like, oh, let's just stay. Let's just stay. And some of us were like, let's keep going. So we walked for about another 10 minutes and we got up to this second place. And, and literally the woman running the, the kitchen in the second place ran out to us and said, and said, are you here for dinner? Would you like to try something? And so if we if we jumped on that first opportunity, I don't think we would have been nearly as happy as we were because we waited. And so we we had that moment of of delaying what we wanted and being willing to 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 hold out for something better. And and I think that there's a there's a certain essence in that that idea of we can accept something or we can wait for something better. Yeah, I think you're spot on, Joe. And I love how you brought up food as an example, because I think when you talk about instant and delayed gratification, food is one of the areas so many people struggle with. And what's interesting to me is, you know, no one, you know, that that emotion when you get hangry, um, like that's so painful. And I think about one of the things we see, and not to focus too much on, on, on families as much today, but the point is, you know, how many times do we tell kids not to snack or eat before dinner or whatever? You know, there it is again. You know, they just, they're, they, they're hungry and they need to fulfill a need. 
So I want to just, for those of you who aren't really clear on the definitions, I really want to cover in really simple terms what we're talking about here. And in, in, in when you talk about delayed gratification, it comes down to very simply forgoing a short-term pleasure or for, for fulfilling a need for a long-term benefit in a goal. And obviously, instant gratification is the opposite. So, you know, why is that so hard? And Joe, I, I have to ask you, you know, we're talking about things like discipline, willpower, one of the primary components of emotional uh, intelligence, self-control. Why? Why is this so hard for people? Well, I, I think part of it is that it is clearly not something we are born with, right? They, the, the, from a psychological perspective, children under the age of five demonstrate very poor self-control in general and and don't really infants in particular and then toddlers don't have the ability to delay gratification so when a baby is hungry the baby cries and the baby will keep crying until the baby gets fed or changed or picked up or whatever it happens to be and so this the 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 very idea of delayed gratification uh, is something that has to be inculcated into people but that's actually the, 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 the hard-to-hear news, but it's also the good news because what it means is in the workplace that we can demonstrate as leaders the very essence of that and show it and encourage it in the workforce. Yeah, and, and I think, Joe, I think you're right. And, and, you know, one of the things I think about related to leadership is this, this incessant busyness you know, everybody's always got a hundred things to do and they're trying to check their to-do list off and get it done. And what typically is slipping by the wayside is coaching and developing of your team. Because if you're going to invest the time coaching and developing your team, you have to believe that the future benefit of that will far outweigh whatever you can't get to and what you... And, and, you know, the thing, Joe, is, and I don't know about you, but if I had a nickel for every time I ran into someone of any age that struggled with time management, I'd be wealthy beyond belief. And I think that also has to do with delayed gratification because that checking off of lists and responding to emails is the win. That's the win. Look, I got five things done off my list today. Good. I returned 10 emails. And so how does that, in your mind, figure in the aspect of needing victories or wins that, 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 that need for that exceeds things like coaching and motivating and developing people on your team? Well, I, I think you, you hit on it exactly. You talked about learning and development, training and development. And every time I hear somebody talk, every time somebody here use those words, learning and development or training and development, the next sentence, in fact, the next paragraph relates to learning in some fashion or training in some fashion. We're going to do this class. We're going to do that class. But you rarely, if ever, in many cases, hear somebody talk about the development part, right? We've come to believe that training and learning and development somehow happen just because you went to a course, just because you went to uh, or you took a you, you, you sat down in front of a video lecture of some sort, right? Whether it was live, whether it was pre-recorded, whatever it happened to be. So we in some real 
actually not good fashion. We focus on the learning and we focus on the training, but we don't focus on what comes next, which is the development. Ted, I got to tell you, I love this guy. I love this guy. I mean, what, what he just articulated in the way he articulated, it so resonates with me, especially on this topic, because how many times does a company call me up and say, Mark, we need you to come in and do training? Why? Well, because we want to do something for our employees. They've been having a good quarter, a good month. So you want to do it to check off a box as a reward to say you help them learn something. But then what about the continuous learning? What about the development aspect of it? It's brilliant, Joe. It's so right. Companies violate that instant gratification learning piece all the time. Well, and, and because it starts from a, from a bad premise for people, right? And, and you'll hear some leaders, some company um, uh, directors say, what, what if we spend money on training our people and we leave? And, of course, the only valid response to that question is, what if we don't and they stay? stay? Right. And, and this becomes the essence, right? Do we, do we want to just check a box and say, okay, we sent people and they learned about time management? But in, as, as, as both you and I are aware, the only question isn't, did you learn something new today? At the end of training, it isn't, did you learn something new today? It's, what will you do differently when you go back to work? Tomorrow? Yeah, right. Absolutely. So, Joe, you know, I, I think about, you know, we ask, there's often a question we ask to ourselves. What's the worst thing that can happen? And I find out, I find a lot of times when someone internally asks that question themselves when they're making a decision, they don't actually finish the conversation. They'll just start out and say, geez, I wonder what the worst thing that's going to happen. And then that's the end of it. They, they just don't do it. The, the, the follow through lacks. And the analogy I want to make here is when you're making a decision that is instant gratification or delayed gratification, there's a critical thinking process that you actually have to go through. Not a long one. I mean, this is not something you have to stop what you're doing for 20 minutes to figure it out. But you actually have to have the conversation of the pros and cons and benefits to that. Now, when we come back for our next segment, I I want you, I know you just did a great uh, critical thinking webinar for Mindset Go. And I know it's, it's one of your areas that you're passionate about. But when we come back after this break, I would love for you to share with your audience what that process would look like. If you were making a decision, if the leader actually used emotional intelligence, stopped, became self-aware of how they're spending their time, and they get to the point, they at least they got to phase one where they were self-aware. But now it's phase two. It's, hmm, do I want an instant gratification or delayed gratification? So will you share with us what that process should look like after the break? I I absolutely will. And I can tell people right now, I can tell the listeners right now, that if they own a GPS, they already know how to do it. Sweet. What a good tease going into the break. Okay. For Joseph Lyman, I am Mark Altman. This is the I Communicate radio show. We'll be right back. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. 
Okay, welcome back to iCommunicate. Uh, happy to have you back on our third segment. Uh, again, if you'd like to call, 508-871-7000. And, uh, you know, I have to tell you, Joe, this nugget you're about to share, I hate the word nugget in this case because this is a <laughs> heck of a lot more than a nugget, but critical thinking process, Joe, should I or shouldn't I, instant or delayed among leadership decision-making? So before the break, I mentioned that if people have a GPS They've already done this. The GPS requires two pieces of information to be anything other than a paperweight. It has to know where it is, and it has to know where you want to go. Without those two pieces of information, it's literally not able to do anything for you. And humans essentially operate the same way. We have to start with self-awareness. Where am I Where do I want to be? Because just like the GPS, without those two fundamental start and stop points, we're not really able to put together the map. So if you think of this, the end point as the goal and the starting point is to self-awareness. What am I doing right now? Why am I doing this? What am I doing? What is the purpose of this? And then we can put in, uh, then we can put the, the, if you will, the map making process into place. And it starts by saying, How is what I'm doing beneficial to the people around me? Is it beneficial to the people around me is actually the first question. And if the answer is no, then the reality is it's really quite simple. Stop doing it. If what you're doing isn't beneficial to the people you work with, stop doing it. If it's not beneficial to the customer, stop doing it. Okay, but wait a minute, Joseph Lyman. Here's the problem. I I agree with what you're saying to a point, but where the challenge comes into me is, Habits. So we're all taught to give ourselves incremental goals and milestones to hit because otherwise it seems too daunting and overbearing. Instant versus delayed gratification is to be a forward thinker. Think long term. Where do you want to go? As you're saying with GPS, the two concepts contradict each other to me because if you stop in that moment and you say, well, I, I need my, I need X employee to develop a certain skill set in a in level of responsibility because then I can delegate more tasks to them and then I can do more things later on. So let's say they do that and they actually talk through that. Then they're probably going to say to themselves, but how long is that going to take? I mean, by the time I coach them and motivate them and inspire them, this could be months before I recognize the benefits of that. So how do you balance? You get where I'm going with that? I completely do. And you're absolutely correct. Everything you said was true. Here's the problem. Everything you said was true one time. So this will take longer to train somebody else. That's true. One time. I can do it better, faster, quicker, smarter. That's true. One time. The reality is, if we keep doing that, then we never release ourselves from those obligations and we never free up our own time to be able to increase our own productivity. So we have to be willing, as individuals in the workplace, we have to be willing to invest in people, right? As a leader, we first of all, we have to make the right decision about the person. So, in, as in a traditional workplace setting, people will be assigned tasks. But the problem with just assigning tasks is that what if somehow, by some strange coincidence, you've assigned it to the wrong person? 
And if you don't know, if we don't start by asking these questions, where am I, where do I want to get to, I want a person to develop who's going to take these responsibilities, thus giving me the opportunity to move in different directions. So Joe, you, what, what, what I'm thinking as you said that is an enormous amount of the critical thinking that goes into delayed versus instant gratification is trust. Because there's two things that have to happen. One, you have to trust yourself, right? Because when you say just once, there's a trust in yourself. And two, you have to trust others, right? So and so, how does your ability to trust your own follow-through, decision-making, so on, and trust others, how does that play into this in your mind? Well, well, it becomes the first step in the sense that we must create for ourselves a process of follow-through. Right. And it can't be if we, we can, of course, base it on immediate gratification. We can say, I need this done instantly. But here's the problem. Is it going to get done the way it should for the benefit of the long term? I mean, take a look at the situation confronting so many businesses right now as a result of COVID-19. They were making decisions as if nothing was ever going to appear as a roadblock on the highway of their success up until three months ago. And then suddenly, this giant barrier labeled the coronavirus shows up, and now we have to make a, a 180 in instantly. But part of the problem is that if you were really looking in the, into the future, one of the questions that you should be asking yourself in business is, is this going to last? Right. It's the story of the guy who jumps out the 71st floor. And, you know, as he passes the 34th floor, somebody says, how's it going? And he says, great. But will it last? <laughs> That's great. You have awesome anecdotes. So. So, Joe, I, I think, you know, so much of this topic today uh, relates to emotional intelligence. Right. Because there's the self-awareness aspect, as you spoke about. There's the self-control aspect that I spoke about. And then there's the motivation piece. Right, the motivation to the not just the obvious motivation of can you be motivated to wait, but it's it's really the the motivation to to see things through. And 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 one of the one of the things that you talked about, which is uh, you know, it happens one time and then making it better, uh, it it's it's a belief. It's a belief system that you have to have. And when I think of the things that matter most to people, it's our beliefs, it's our values, it's our attitudes. And I just wish there was a simpler way because I think so much of what we're talking about today is so applicable, but that that mindset gets in the way of so much and people just have so much trouble seeing the forest through the trees. Well, and the hard news is that it's getting more difficult to do exactly what you described. Because in a word, our world has become gamified, right? Many people are familiar with the idea of gamification. How do we get people to keep doing something? Because we're rewarding them when instantaneously, right? I mean, the the gamers have an ideal. they, They refer to it as a diaper game. Right, that someone will be so enamored with what they're doing on the screen that they don't even want to take the time to, 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 to head to the bathroom. Right? And, and we've actually done this in social media across the board, in, in videos, in movies. In, I mean, the idea of, of these brief uh, TikTok videos, that sort of thing, you know, 45 to 90 seconds for a video. And so in the process, we've made 
our day-to-day lives very much an instant gratification kind of situation. Yeah, that's so well said. And, you know, so as, as you're thinking about this, I'm going to ask our listeners, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a challenge. I'm going to ask you to strike a phrase from the, your vocabulary today. And the phrase is, I don't have time for blank. Because when you say you don't have time for something, you, you, you're you making that choice. No one has a gun to your head and tells you what you have time and don't have time for. You're making these choices and decisions every day. And so to practice some of this self-awareness around instant versus delayed gratification, I see time as an enemy um, of delayed gratification. And as I said earlier, even if you get to phase one, which is the self-awareness that you need to critically think about, does time become the enemy? Now, I, I want to I talk about goals for a moment. And, and Ted, w- the reason why I bring up goals is because I thought you succinctly explained earlier that you need to know what that long-term win is and the GPS system, what, you know, where are you and where are you going? So how critical do goals fall? And I'm not even talking about at the decision time for instant or delayed gratification. How important are goals for people, period? So that is pre-built. So, yes, so you can know where it's going. Well, I, uh, first of all, I, I would say that without them, nothing happens. And, and I mean that in a, in a fairly literal sense. If there are no goals there is unlikely to be any movement. And when we talk about goals, many people are familiar with SMART goals. They have to be specific. They have to be measurable and so forth. But there's a reason for that. So some people will say, I want to have more money. That's a lovely wish. It's a desire, but it's not a goal. Some people will say, oh, I want to be famous. Wonderful. What are you doing for it? Some people will say, I want to travel. Great. What are you doing for it? So first of all, if we're going to create a goal, and and many people have written professional goals, right? We have the yearly, we have the semi-yearly, that sort of thing. But what I want to encourage our, our listeners to do is to have written I'll come back to this word in a moment, written personal goals. About 3% of the country has written personal goals. I want to see that number rise. Because first of all, if you just say it, you're less likely to take it seriously. When we write things down in our culture, in our civilizational area, we take things much more seriously. Okay, well, so the great point, Joe. And Ted, real quick before we go to break, are we going to hear the ZD's commercial at the at this segment? Let me see what I can do. Okay, so I, for, for listeners, please stay tuned and listen to this commercial. If you're listening live, uh, Ted's amazing commercial. And uh, for Joe Lyman, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be back for our final segment right after the break. Now, I communicate continues on full service radio, eight thirty WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Welcome back to our final segment. I'm here with uh, esteemed and uh, established expert Joe Lyman. Uh, I've been a trainer for over 15 years and helping clients with communication, emotional intelligence, all the things we do at Mindset Go. And, um, you know, before we get into our final segment, um, Joe and I were talking about uh, networking before the break, and that's what we're going to talk about. But are you guys ready for one of the worst jokes in the world? 
I'm just going to preface it so it I, you, you don't get Come your on. expectations Lay too high. Could, could we turn the volume down? We, so I don't we have might to need to. to. <laughs> so I used to I used to be involved in Rotary. You know why I stopped? I don't know. Why did you stop being involved in Rotary? Because I felt like nothing got accomplished. Everything was going around in circles all the time. <laughs> Do you know that the rotary symbol is actually a cog from a machine uh, also used primarily on bicycles? I did not know that. It's That's it's what tr- the symbol is. It's a it's cog. It's true, and it's unfortunate because it uses the very essence of a mechanical machine device to demonstrate human qualities. Wow. Well, you're just a cog in the wheel, baby. Yeah. Exactly. Do you guys think Jimmy Fallon's quaking in his boots after that joke? Do you think he's concerned? I'm going to go with no. Okay. All right. (laughs) Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, seriously. Okay, so final segment. This, to me, Joe, is just one of the most glaring examples of professional instant versus delayed gratification. So a lot of the training that uh, I do at Mindset Go often is around sales and networking and things like that. And so whenever I talk with entrepreneurs or professionals or companies that do networking, I'll say to them, okay, so what's your ultimate goal when you go to a networking event? And they'll say, well, to get referrals and introductions, of course. And I say, and okay. And so the likelihood that you're going to a networking event and you're going to meet someone who's been feverishly thinking of how they can help you at that event is slim and none. And as former Patriot running back Craig James once said, Slim's having a course in Texas. And so here's what it comes down to. If you go and you need the instant gratification and the only value in going to an event or forming a relationship with another human being is if they can make you an immediate referral or make an introduction, you've lost. Wait, wait. Are you suggesting that people don't come to networking events thinking, how can I help? Him. Yeah, I know. It's a big, it's a big, it's a big upset there, isn't That's, it? I, I'm, I'm going to have to contemplate this for a little while. Well, wait a minute, guys. I, and I know I'm not supposed to ask unless you ask me, but is it going to networking events about building your brand? Well, well, Ted, it's a great point. And, and, you know, one of the things I always reinforce with people is why do you look at a networking interaction any different than a sales interaction? If you meet a prospect who says, boy, your services sound really good. I, I think I would like to do business with you, but now's the run, not, not the right time. Contact me again in six months. The typical salesperson is going to make a note again to call that person in six months. But if I meet Joe at a networking event, and he's a potential trainer at Mindset Go, and he says, geez, Mark, I'm not going to be helped. I've got a contract somewhere else. I can't help you for six months. All right, Joe, good to meet you. Maybe we'll cross paths again. Why is it different? Well, you've just asked the most important question of the day. And the answer is, it's not, unless we make it. Right. And the reality is, it becomes, am I thinking about you or am I thinking about me? Because if I think about me, I'm looking for the instant sale, the instant connection, the instant referral. But if I'm thinking about you, the reality is, I'm helping me. And we don't see that. 
And, we, and, and I think part of the reality is, in defense of, of, of people who come across that way, is they have to be, that has to be explained to them. I think people need to discover that the, the more we focus on ourselves, the more we have problems. The more we turn our, our gaze externally and we see what's going on with other people is now we have opportunities. Yeah, and I think, so I have, I have a, a, a concept uh, called the AAA concept. And the AAA concept implies that to remove ambiguity, you need to be assertive. And the, the way to be assertive is to be authentic. Okay? And I'm going to give you guys a quick example of something that happened this morning. I had someone attend one of my webinars. He was a salesperson for a pretty big national company who, by the way, apparently owns 14 million acres of land and they harvest trees. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of land. Anyway, point being, I said to him, let's have a chat on the phone. This guy's not stupid. He knew why I wanted to chat on the phone. He knew that I was going to see if he could help me get some training with his company. So instead of getting on the phone with them and playing all these games and hiding from it and being authentic, we chatted about each other for a few minutes, and I just came out and said, hey, the reason why I called is because I wanted to see if there was a way I could help you, and I wanted to see if there's a way you can help me. And I think when it comes to networking and the instant gratification, people who network are so programmed to only see help in one form. So unless that immediate introduction or referral could be made, you're of no use to me. And it's not just help in one form, it's help in one direction. Yes. Well, that's a great point. And that's the reciprocity angle, right, Joe? And, and I think part of it is, I think you've described it perfectly, but the reality is that if we, if we can bring ourselves to break that habit, and you're absolutely right, we could do an entire show on habit, uh, the only way to... The only way to change our thinking is to change who we're thinking about. Because as long as the focus is on me, I'm going to be interested in what you can do for me. I'm going to be interested in what you can get me right now. But when I start to be open to what is possible, and I love your word authentic, when I start to be real, then it's perfectly okay for me to say, hey, what can we do for each other? Because that's a two-way street. Well, Joe, that's brilliant because being open to what is possible is being curious. And, you know, again, you know what the advice I give to people who network is I say, you know what? You qualify your sales prospects, right? Your first meeting should be qualifying your network partner, qualifying them in terms of does this person have the same drive, passion, values, ideals that I have? Is this person a go-getter or is this person kind of passive? And... Would I enjoy recommending this person? Would I feel comfortable recommending this person? So I think if you go into it, again, the parallel is there. If you go into that initial interaction, is this a person I would enjoy spending time with? Is this a person, like Joe said, both ways, we can help each other? Then that's the takeaway, not can they give me instant gratification of a referral or an introduction. And what it comes down to is that the, 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 the referral or the introduction or the opportunity that you will discover through the person that you make a legitimate connection with is going to be is, is, is going to leave you in a much better place with that person than simply something that you were able to grab from them in a heartbeat because it was, it was immediately available. 
because it's just it's about who you're going to end up connecting with. And when you've made when you've managed to establish a human connection with the person that you're talking to, whatever is the result of that connection mm. is going to be more beneficial to both of you. Now, now, Ted, I got a question for you. You have a big sales background. So let me ask you a question. Can you think of an example when you used to do sales on a regular basis where you were influenced adversely by instant gratification in some of your sales behaviors? Oh, yeah. Um, It wasn't until I was well into my 40s that I realized that— You're not in your 40s? You're past your 40s? Well, here, let me slick back my hair. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And here, I have my previously mask-covered face. Okay, there we go. Um, it it took me until I was in my 40s to realize that the process is the same as you said a moment ago and the best way to get a referral is from somebody who says to you can you call me in six months because then you can say well here's an opportunity for us to help each other I'll tell you about what I do in 17 words or less you think of two people who I should talk to then you tell me in 17 words or less what you do, and I'll think of two people, and then we'll meet in six months and see how we did. Well, and, and, and Joe, I want to turn this over to you. I think Ted makes a good point. Um, one of the biggest aspects of an effective critical thinker is someone who can discern the truth. And when I, when I, say, dis, when I say discern the truth, and this will be our final thought of the day, and I'll turn it over to you, I mean that we hear this expression in sales a lot, low-hanging fruit. Salespeople love to chase low-hanging fruit, as they should. I mean, if it's low-hanging fruit, go after it. But are you perseverating or locked in on low-hanging fruit because it's the best opportunity or because you need instant gratification? So my question to you is, how do you discern when making that decision of, am I doing this for the right reasons? How do you discern? I, and I think it, it has to be, what is your perspective? So if you're looking directly in front of you, uh, I think of it this way from perspective. When you're looking directly in front of you, you see a tree, but it's only when you back up that you see the mountain that the tree is attached to. And so it's, it's all about time frame. It's all about am I doing what I'm doing to benefit me right now or am I doing what I'm doing to benefit the relationship in the long term? And as long as we have that next 10 minutes perspective, we will, we'll go, we, we will potentially go in a bad direction because we will sacrifice the future at the expense of the present. Well said. All right. Now, Joe, we, we have to wrap up, but will you, will you promise you'll come back for future episodes? I absolutely will. This has been a blast. Yeah. Likewise. So, all right. So, you know, in wrap up for today, again, instant versus delayed gratification. Joe said it best. GPS. Where are you and where do you want to go? Those are the questions you need to answer. If you're going to be honest with yourself, take the time to make the right decisions and understand where you are and where you want to go. For Joseph Lyman, I am Mark Altman for the I Communicate radio show slash podcast. Ted, thank you again for all your wonderful production and contributions. Your communication contributions. This is uh, Mark Altman again. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to I Communicate with your host, Mark Altman. Join us again each week at this time on Full Service Radio, WCRN.